Welcome to the Dividend Talk Podcast, episode 56, quarter two portfolio review. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dividend Talk. I'm your co-host, Engineer My Freedom, and today I'm joined with European DGI. This is a podcast where we discuss our passion for dividend growth investing with our own unique European flavor. If you're new to this channel, please hit the like button and subscribe to us, and check out our previous episodes on YouTube and Spotify. See you on the inside. Hey, buddy, I'm back. Did you miss me? Yes, of course, of course. I really miss uh, our Friday evenings together. So it's almost like we're we are having a bromance. <laughs> so yeah, it's really good to good to have you back, uh, EMF. Yeah, I have I have to say I was I was really looking forward to this this week. But Phil and the Clinic Capitalist did an amazing job. The two of them. I mean, for for both, where it's not their natural language per se, it came across really well and it two really good podcasts and i got some nice stocks to look at from last week's show some stocks that i've never even heard of but Avast, i think was one that really mm-hmm. interested me and and looks good and and just uh, i was listening to it on my laptop at the time and a pop-up came up from Avast on my <laughs> pop-up it was like coincidence like buy me buy me so no yeah. two two really good podcasts but i have to say i am i'm glad to be back yeah, well, they, they they were well prepared, did a good job. Uh, it was also for me really nice to talk with Phil a bit deeper about Fresenius. Um, it's a company in Germany, of course, that uh, many people have their interest in. So we went a little bit deeper, but also the Kleiner Capitalist is really like a walking catalog about uh, European dividend stocks. It's unbelievable. He, we did just seven, but he could have easily done 20 to 30. It's, yeah. it's really amazing. And I think it's a good time, actually, because we have such a vast knowledge within our community and we, we know we've a, a tight community in this dividend day group where we're starting the european investor network where we're all coming mm-hmm. together to share our knowledge our vast amount of knowledge in different areas and i'm quite excited to say that we're launching this blog this network next week and we're going to see some top quality content i feel from from a lot of investors yeah, definitely, definitely. I hope it um, it really could become one place for many people uh, uh, to go to, uh, and hopefully we can, how you say it, also make some breakthroughs in some areas regarding data quality and such. I, I would really hope that, of course, in the beginning we will use this uh, lean startup approach, so uh, it will be uh, rapidly building up. But then over time, I hope we can really bring some good features to it and then some some unique quality of uh, information to it yeah so stay tuned for that but in the last week has there been anything that caught your eye yeah definitely i I mean uh, for instance what was really interesting for me was um that the department of defense in in the united states um cancelled the contract that it had with microsoft this 10 billion contract uh, that also became a lot of loss lawsuits together with amazon um i found it interesting um what i really like is again this such an adela how he spoke about it about this contract and such and i must have heard it heard them a little bit 
but at the same time um it's, it's not you know it's not fighting over it and personally I, I i when i was reflecting on this like i thought really like which idiot tries to make a 10 billion marriage with a single company because if you think about it you lose all the flexibility of course i believe a lot in microsoft's power but if you think about the solutions that you need why why do you need to go in bed with one 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 vendor you can take two or three you get the power of azure the power of aws maybe the power of the google cloud whatever you need they have different services a different maturity so it makes much more sense to 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 have a broader tender than than just go in bed All, of course as a microsoft shareholder i wish they were the only one um yeah yeah but you have apple as well and apple were probably the the main oh no it was amazon was it amazon amazon, war? Yeah. amazon sorry yeah amazon were competing against them so i mean i don't know if this was because trump administration had given it to one company and biden is just like we're not having this and we're, we're breaking it up or if it was like you said more logical thinking um but i believe i believe the contract was, was it over 10 years it was 10 billion over a period yeah. of time so it, it wasn't a huge amount every year so it's not going to affect our, our cash flow too much it was more about the prestige of having this this contract i think so yeah I, but I think it, just think yeah. about it when you're when you're the head of the department of defense and then you're you're going to sign a contract for 10 years with a vendor 10 years in in it yeah think about it what, what in 2030 where the technology will be you don't want to be in bed with a single vendor really not you need to bet on multiple horses i understand that they want to that they think about i said saving money on a contract but i think there's a little bit of utopia to it as well i i think this is a little bit more than saving money you could imagine I remember reading an article and I had these companies that they're looking for have to be able to top secret and no secret was, was one of the top words that was used. The more companies you have, the more people are exposed to your plans and the more, the more chance that has of leaking and, and so on. So I'd say th there is a little bit of element. Okay. From a technology point of view, yes, we should divvy it out. But if you want to keep something secret, the less people that know the better and that might yeah. that might play into it a little bit maybe they shouldn't have secrets in america <laughs> that's that's another maybe discussion that, yeah maybe, maybe that's the problem of all the shit we have in the world <laughs> <laughs> let's just be open yeah exactly uh, how about you did you uh, i mean you had some time to think and to, to read the news i guess so uh, anything that came to your uh, attention Yes, something this week was with charging network points for trucks, which is quite unique. And one of the companies that, that sprung to my mind was Volvo, because we hear a lot about Volkswagen, Tesla, and, and all these companies. But Volvo have been around a long time. I see them on the roads all the time. So when I, when I saw Volvo were involved, it kind of just made me look at it and go, oh, I've never looked at them like that before. So it's nice to see them coming in and, and merging i think they're merging with three other companies to distribute network points for trucks now i don't know how successful that's going to be it's it's quite unique we're going to have network points anyway so i don't know what's going to be so unique about just having network points for trucks and that but it's i think it's a sign of what's happening i mean we we do have lots of cars and and stuff starting to come in but we don't really talk about electric trucks for long journeys because we don't have that in infrastructure in place so 
it'd be interesting to see how how that progresses but it's it's something that uh sprung to my mind hmm. Hmm. nice one yeah it will be really interesting to see right this whole um ev theme that is uh, also in the investment community really popular i sometimes feel it's a bit overhyped but from the other side if you then see general uh, motors and such with their investments and everything i, I really and volkswagen i really think like you know the the old car manufacturers are coming back yeah it's just, they woke up yes. and they are full into it now ford ford looks like it's coming back as well and that's another one yeah. i i i was looking at they've gone it spiked a little bit in price but they're certainly making comeback so hey we might have some comeback kids well talking about comeback kids have you read the press release from shell this week i haven't I, I saw some things on Twitter, but I, I, I haven't read. So, um, you know, I made I, I put a tweet the other day, like um, uh, $80 oil is the new $100. Yeah. And my, my philosophy here is that, uh, you know, if they lowered the cost per barrel, let's say from $55 or $60 to $40, then we shouldn't think about any more at $100 with massive cash flows, but at $80. And not even a few days later, Shell comes with a press release saying like that they have massive cash flows and that they are going to increase total shareholder distributions to within the range of 20 to 30 percent of their uh, um, uh, free cash flow, let's say CFFO. And, you know, for me, this is really um, interesting because it's so clear that at this oil price, if they are geared to really low uh, cost of oils, uh, oil they have also still their capex investments relatively low compared to what it was before this must be a massive quarter right uh, and yeah. from a cash flow point of view i hope they use it a little bit to clean up the balance sheet and they say that as well right they also want to strengthen their balance sheet and looking for aa uh, credit metrics so i expect uh, that they will reintroduce uh, a strong buyback program again i'm not sure whether they want to hike their dividend too much to straight away lose flexibility but i'm actually hoping i, I mean sometimes we do predictions here i'm hoping that they will hike it by 10 percent or something like that the dividend and for me this is a comeback kit uh shell but also oil in general what what, what strikes me and i'm i'm, I'm reading a snippet of it here is that shell will retire its net debt milestone of 65 billion does that mean they've they've reached that um i for me i was reading reading this as well i am not 100 percent sure because i don't know if they are retiring the milestone that the milestone is not relevant anymore for them or that they really have um paid it back i think their uh, british gas was it at the time cost around 65 billion as well and i remember that they wanted to use future cash flow to 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 pay all this debt again uh, back and yeah. it's now five years down the road i don't know i will really need to read the uh, uh, quarterly report i think it's in the end of july but even though you know uh, it's not just oil uh, flowing out of the uh, ground now it's it's literally all the cash that they can't uh, catch anymore so hey, it's really good and it's also about time that shell uh, and and oil gets a little bit of a positivity uh, in their in their cash flows again yeah uh, i mean I'm, I'm i'm just checking the price there um they they could shoot up if they have a really really strong strong errands it might be a nice time to buy them particularly after this press release 
you might see a little rise going into earnings anyway but i'm so happy <laughs> i'm so happy that i bought them when i did i really am yeah yeah uh, yeah uh, exactly and you know it's it's heavy cyclical right so only a little thing needs to happen and this whole whole oil price can collapse again yeah so um but you know it's nice after uh one and a half year of uh uh rubbish in the oil industry to to have something positive again so i'll see i'll treat it a bit like that yeah yeah hey, and remember we still don't have travel fully opened we still exactly have, so there's still some there's still some room but yeah okay so let's move on to our main topic where we'll talk a little bit about our portfolios have how have you done over the last quarter or even half quarter. year hmm. Yeah, this is really interesting. Uh, I'm not so actually when I when I did the analysis the other day, I was actually not so happy with it. I had again a feeling that I'm under investing a little bit. This this has probably to do with the fact that the market feels so expensive. It's a bit harder to uh, find companies that I really want to commit to. There are, there are often some companies that look nice, but when I go deeper into it, I feel like, hmm, do I really want to have a strong position in this? So um, if you look at it from that point of view, um, my portfolio did quite well. If you think about, uh, let's take the one that interests me the least, and that's the, the value of the portfolio and how it grew. So compared to last quarter, it grew with almost uh, 8%. So not bad, I think. Um, some of this was, uh, of course, new stock additions. But if we then look at the acquisitions and what happened, so it's probably good to know that I sold AT&T, my full position. And for AT&T, I replaced that with Chasnara. It's a small cap uh, insurance company in the, in the UK. It yields around 8%. I might have discussed it here uh, before one time as a stock pick. Yeah. Um, I also initiated a position, not a big one, uh, in Bristol Myers, because uh, I found it quite attractive after some analysis. I initiated a small position in a new real estate uh, investment trust, and that is Digital Reality. This is a company that I always find, found so expensive, and it is always expensive um, uh, for a real estate investment trust. But you know, it's in the cloud sector. It's 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 building all these data centers that are consumed by Facebook and Google and such for 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 for, for effectively their data. So I still see this company growing massively over the next five, six years. It yields something more than 3%, I believe. I, I think I bought it around $150. It is expensive from a valuation point of view, but it looked for me already expensive the last three years, so I felt like I had to have it. And then I've been investing quite a bit in a non-dividend stock, and that's Alibaba, um, because as many people know that follow me longer, I've, I allocate 10% of my portfolio more to growth stocks, but... Uh, um, I probably shouldn't call them growth stocks in general. These are rather big tech because we're talking here about um, Google and Facebook as well as an example. So I bought um, Alibaba. Uh, I think the average price is probably around $218, $220 for what I bought. I, I, I bought it in three, three uh, tranches. Okay. This is what I mainly bought, and then I reinvested some dividends. So I reinvested uh, my dividends in Ahold, uh, Unilever, and, and Shell. So I got some additional shares because of my Dutch broker. I can um, automatically reinvest uh, the dividends. Okay. 
if you then look at it from a dividend income point of view, this is my this is really the one that always excites me. So April year over year growth was around 80%, May around 40% year over year growth, and June minus 13%. Now, what you typically see here is that many of the annual uh, shareholder meetings last year were postponed from April and May to June in the midst of the uh, pandemic. That's why this year my uh, dividends are much higher in the first two months and lower in the third month. Although on average I grew compared to quarter two last year with 26% in my uh, dividend income, which is a lot because my dividend income was also suffering a lot from the shell dividend cut at the time. Yep. So I think uh, it shows how much I invested last year over the summer and, 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 and such and also during the period and it's paying its dividends literally uh, right now. Now, last but not least, uh, my portfolio yield dropped from 3.35% to 3.17%. That has mainly to do with having a bit over-invested in, uh, in Alibaba, as an example, in the last quarter. Consumer staples is still the biggest sector with around 25 to 26%. And Microsoft keeps on growing as my largest holding because last time it was like 7.9, now it's 8.3. Um, this is really where the compounding is just doing all the uh, heavy lifting. And when you look at the largest gross dividends, it's still Omega Healthcare investors, but it's catch being, it's, yeah, others are catching up. Like Ahold is coming close, Unilever is coming close. So if I would still buy one slot of one of those, they will probably. Uh, um, dethrone omega healthcare is my biggest uh, uh, gross dividend income holding hey some 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 good numbers there 20 a 26 percent increase in dividends from from last year is is pretty big just looking at your your pro projected annual dividend income that was above 30 percent was it it took a little drop um yeah, I've been adjusting a little bit my, um, I said my forecasts. So it was like 31%. I have been adjusting a little bit my formulas and such, and it dropped now to 29.8%. Um, it's not the income itself. It's more like my technical cal calculation that I've readjusted a little bit. I, I used a little bit of different inflation numbers. Okay. And that has an impact on, on my uh, forecast. Oh, makes sense. And the the companies you have highlighted in, in yellow, then Ahold, they were all just reinvesting your dividends. Yeah, those were drips. Yeah, okay. dripping. Yeah, I really wish I had that functionality on on the Gyro. Did it have that on interactive brokers? I wonder. I I don't know. This is on the Bing. The other I have mm. on the here I cannot do it. Um, but although I I sometimes do it right if the mm. if it's an American company the um i said the cost of buying shares is like half a half a euro sometimes i just in, re reinvest those that money then in a share or two yeah okay are you ha happy overall then with your, with your progress no, no 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 i'm not happy overall because i wished i bought more uh dividend uh yeah yeah just more dividend income i, I wish i bit so that was a good reflection. Just it was hard for me, um, April, May, June, to really find some companies because I could still buy Ahold and Unilever at the moment, but I've been buying so much of it um, uh, in the first quarter that I wanted to really expand my 
horizon a little bit to others and not only keep on going into yeah. the consumer's table but i might go back to that in the upcoming three months because from the other end i can still increase my holdings there in consumer state so it's not like i reached the max yet uh yeah. here and maybe this maybe these sectors are just a little bit over undervalued at the moment and therefore just maybe the most attractive to 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 put my money into at the moment yeah but it also highlights what we've been saying is the pe ratios are so high we know valuations are so high at the moment it is very very hard to to pick companies to to put your full conviction in because we're all expecting something to pop to burst at at yeah. some point um it, it will happen it can't it can't, can't go up forever so so it's hard once once you're investing a small bit i won't be so hard on yourself i mean you are buying companies like baba that are value plays at the moment as we say yeah. so it's not as if you're sitting on your hands and, and doing nothing so i, I yeah. think you're being a little bit too hard on on your performance that those numbers are, are pretty good eight percent portfolio growth in a quarter is is yeah but that's good. price appreciation and that doesn't really interest me so much uh i'm i'm proud with my dividend income i'm happy really with uh my chest chest narrow position it's my first small cap uh high yielder really high yield so i'm happy with that one yeah maybe you're right it's just a feeling yeah pma positive mental or was it P positive mental attitude or something just be positive yeah yeah thank you <laughs> how about you how did your acquire go yeah, do, do, do you know what? I didn't feel like I was that busy, okay? And then I started to go through what I what I did, and I was buying and selling quite a bit actually. <laughs> I didn't I didn't quite realize it. So I'll go through what I sold first. So I sold about six companies. So I sold all my Cisco shares. Um, I sold all my Bayern shares, and that was after this whole fiasco that the that the lawsuits are not going away. So I just sold them straight away. I sold Flow Traders. Basically, I, I bought them just before the dividend because they have a huge dividend yield. The price doesn't really go too mad. So I bought them, sold them about two dollar or two euro higher, and was happy enough to to make the dividend off them. And then I I sold. When I say I sold, I was I was made to sell both Enegas and Ahold. Okay, and we know that I've been doing put options and stuff and i was being a little bit too clever with these ones so i was i was i, I didn't want to sell these by the way <laughs> particularly our hold so i i sold them well i i had sold puts and got assigned to sell these and both companies I, i'm not messing just shot straight up whereas i didn't want to buy them straight back i had a note in my calendar to look at Enigas because their ex-dividend date was two or three days ago and I was in work and I got the notification and just deleted it and forgot about it until yesterday. And it was like, I've, I held them for nine months and did not get the 9% dividend yield. So it, it's it's definitely a learning for me. I was, I was trying to make a quick buck at the time, just selling them. I got assigned and, and both prices kind of got away from me. I thought I hold my comeback down. I was I was trying to get them around 23, um, but they, they got away from me. So I still hold thankfully i didn't do it all my shares i still hold shares in some of them but certainly certainly a lesson for me is to to stay away from companies that i really want to keep don't be selling puts a good lesson in there for me don't be selling calls you mean 
calls yes yeah. selling calls 100 yeah. yeah so that's what that's why i end up sending them to i have puts in place now to try to get them back but i really don't think i'm going to get them back at a price that i want them so we'll move on to to what i bought over this quarter so i bought some ahold about 50 shares of ahold i bought some affleck uh, about 26 shares microsoft i just buy periodically so i bought two shares i bought 100 shares of oil tria um, I bought 47 shares of Unilever because I wanted to bring them up to 100 shares. I bought 30 shares of Venovia because I wanted to have more shares than the kind of capitalist. <laughs> no, that, that's not the real reason. I, I bought them to round them up. To, I think it's like 50 shares or something. And then I bought two starter positions in Texas Instruments and Fresenius. Uh, Texas Instruments is one that I've been saying for ages and ages and ages. I want to buy them. And I'm just going to treat them like I do Microsoft. Just buy them every every so often. I know I know they're expensive, but just to keep I know keep myself in the game. So my net spend was 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 up in around what I say what a thousand a thousand euro a month. So I've been just consistently adding the same amount. Um, I just didn't realize I was after spending and and selling that that amount over over the time. So definitely definitely happy with how it went, but a big learning with uh, with selling calls. On, on that so my, my my holdings have dropped from 23 to 21 because of uh, any gas was one and i also sold uh, cisco got rid of cisco as well and my top holding is now unilever which is 12 percent of my portfolio it used to be shell um which which was eight shell is still still up there but because i now have 100 shares of, of unilever it changes quite fast when you're portfolio is still under yeah. 100k so it can change quite rapidly the largest sector which <laughs> surprised me is is consumer staples which is now a whopping 42 percent so it, it's safe to say that i will not be buying any more consumer staples this year i'll be just focusing on on other areas and my largest growth dividend has changed from flow traders to all three and that's because um it's because i sold pretty much sold flow traders so if I look at my average monthly dividend, it has nearly nearly doubled from the last quarter. That's because I had flow traders, which was huge, and I bought some European companies, which we know historically pay out in, in between April, May, June. So lots of European companies in that. I expect I expect this to drop over the next three months as, as I won't get dividends from them. My projected annual dividend income went up no point not four percent which is which is not a lot but i mean flow traders had had a big big change in that and then obviously missing the dividend from Enigas was was huge um but my portfolio it, uh, nearly mirrors yours is up eight percent as well which is i mean I, I find that i find that a good number um i've i have focused a little bit on on option trading a little and i'm, I'm experimenting i'm, I'm going to keep the gyro just for just for my dividend stocks and, and use interactive brokers but my option trading is now it kind of well it matched it was about 280 months so it matched my annual dividend for for this quarter so it's it's doing quite well so putting in both if i was to add both into my my forecast i i'm sitting quite happy from from where i was this time last year 
Yeah, your I mean your option trading. I, I see the table here. Uh, it's really impressive, uh, EMF. I think um, you're really generating a lot of additional income. And if you think about it, if you reinvest this again all in your dividend stocks, you know it uh, it really improves the compounding, right? Yeah, it's yeah. almost like a side hustle option trading. You, you can you can see you can see my figures from April and then May and June have, have literally halved and yeah. the, the reason for that is I was choosing more high-risk stocks back in April and I was discussing this with with Phil I'm now choosing stocks that I I, I want to own so it's mainly dividend stocks in yeah. in it there are some companies like uh, Carnival for example that I feel are depressed because because mm -hmm. the coronavirus and that will come back so i have some companies like that but it's mainly dividend stocks that i want to own like all three for example was was one i got assigned of 100 stocks but i'm happy to to keep those because yeah I, I i like i like all three so i've changed that to just pick those type of stocks and it's it's making steady income so i'm, I'm quite happy with it nice 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 so i also did some option trading but um i don't have to I don't have those numbers. It's a little bit less for me. And the re simple reason for that is that um, I don't have the bandwidth in my mind for it to keep tracking yeah. them. Um, but I'm with you. I only do it for companies that I want to own. And I put them, I put always the strike price at the price that I feel like they're also fairly valued or undervalued. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th I think that's the key. And it's, it's so easy to, to get greedy. And it seems so easy if, when markets are rising so fast. But you can see from uh, was it March <laughs> that greediness kind of kicked me a little bit, and I was I end up losing money that month on it. So I kind of had to try and reevaluate and and just forget about Twitter, forget about everyone, what everyone else is doing, and just here's the list of companies I want to own. This is the price I want to own them at, and and I just focus on them. So that's nice. that's how I'm going. But no, I'm 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 quite happy with with this quarter. I, a little bit. I said surprised by how active I was. I didn't feel like I was that active, mm -hmm. um, but that was probably more so the first the first month of the quarter, like yeah. a, li a little bit more active than than I than I should have been. It's it's funny that you say that because that's maybe why I feel I wasn't active at all because I think I made five trades, yeah, of which when one was selling something, so I made four trades effectively, yeah, and and in, in, in almost the whole quarter. And do you know what made, makes me laugh? Because we we say in this this show sometimes, well, well, boy, I mean, I say I have said that I'm I'm boy to hold for the long long term, and then I look at this and I've sold Cisco full position, I sold Intel recently, <laughs> and I've sold Bayern and Flow Traders. I'm like, maybe I'm not what I think I am. Maybe maybe I I have to really think about it. But I I'm happy with the purchase. I I bought some I believe top quality companies. I, I mean. Aflac, Microsoft, Unilever, and Ahold were, were my main ones. And I initiated positions in Texas Hold'em. And I bought for seniors after listening to, to yourself and Phil. I know that the prices, you said you'd like them a little bit lower, but I thought they, they are a top quality company. I just wanted to, to buy a couple of shares so they're in my portfolio so that when earnings come up or they're on my radar, so if they do drop back, I can I can get involved. But but th this is totally what I do the same with uh, initiating positions, like I said, with Digital Reality Trust. Mm. 
sometimes um, uh, I think it's you don't need to be too greedy on your initiating position. It's more like uh, a conviction by saying, okay, you know what? I want to go in bed with you. Come closer now after this, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's a little bit how I look at that. Yeah. And I have to say, Microsoft has taught me a huge lesson because I remember speaking to you about it and saying, I'm waiting until 180. It's it's going to drop. But if I had it stuck to that, I would never own any shares of them. And looking at my, I have a small position, but looking at the companies that have returned the most, they are quite up there. They're nearly up there with Shell. Not not in money value, but in percentage value, yeah. they've they've grown quite quite a bit. So I would have missed out on some some decent returns if I had a sat back and wait. So that helped me going. Okay, Texas Instruments. I think they're overvalued, but I should start a position. So, but um, which returns have you otherwise missed out on because you haven't sold them yet? So no, you didn't make any returns. I, I didn't make any. Yeah, I didn't make any returns, but I, I certainly wouldn't have bought them at two fifty. I would have felt like no. the gap went went too too high to to buy. Them. Well, I'm saying that I think. I think we're really, really in a high value valuation market, let's say. So what if now Microsoft will be next year in at 160? How will you feel then? Because it sounds like your feeling is now associated to the price. Yes, it, it is a little bit. It, it is a little bit because I do want to own more and I'm still like you can see I bought two shares. Yeah. I find it really really hard. Like if you look at my my other purchases, I buy with conviction there. You can see that yeah. Unilever. 47 shares no problem yeah. i i would i would love to buy a lot more shares of microsoft i just find it hard when they're valued so yeah. highly that, and that's yeah, it yeah. is it is a little bit associated to price yeah you're right yeah yeah good well you know uh, later maybe if the stock pick i can also talk a little bit about that uh, what i mean with that cool okay so um you know okay so what we can say we both have some feelings around the performance, but we should both be happy with this uh, result. I personally just hope in that Q3, I will say again, like, wow, this was a great quarter because Q1 with Ahold during January and February at those prices around 22, it was such a nice time to buy a lot of Ahold, right? <laughs> so yeah, you sold some again. I mean, it's the price you pay for, for playing with options. Yeah um but from the other side i'm sure you'll get your opportunities again i mean we still have uh quite some quite some years in front of us to buy high quality companies so yeah yeah cool so how about we do some listener questions yeah let's do that so maybe we'll start with phil surprise surprise Hey, what do you think is the most interesting and still undervalued sector in our industry after the COVID correction last year I, I touched on that a little bit when I mentioned Carnival and, and companies like that. I still see them as undervalued. Um, the travel industry as a whole has not bounced back. I We were only starting to open back up and we were starting to see this Delta variant and, and this is causing concern. But I think they're massively undervalued and there is potential there to, to get in on them. So that would be one industry that I'm I'm definitely interested in hmm. so for me it is already the whole year the uh, insurance sector in general i think yep. undervalued is maybe the wrong word but just the, probably the most attractive from a valuation point of view and now i'm going to put 
also mentioned the most hated sector and that's the energy sector i think the oil and gas industry if you if you are not a long-term investor but more a momentum investor let's say like that i think you could really uh, probably benefit in the upcoming quarters from investing a bit in still in oil stocks i don't think they have um appreciated as much as what the oil prices justify at the moment uh long term i mean there's too much risk around oil and gas so hence why i don't want it to for me to be a big uh, sector in my portfolio but i think if you don't have any oil yet i think now is still a time to to buy maybe i don't know some chevron or or, or shell or total if you're interested in having some of those stocks in your portfolio yeah i i, st I still think shell is is nicely priced there is other companies like eog resources um, mm -hmm. who, are, who are quite good especially when the price of oil is, is rising so i um, i'm tempted to to add more to shell i have to admit i am very tempted <laughs> yeah, maybe you should uh, uh, phil also the second question is probably more for you um italy or england do you know what i said i said my prediction was was england and i'm sticking with it i think i think england's going to win i've i've watched every england game um my brother-in-law is from sorry i watch it with him so i'm, I'm quite pleased quite pleased for him and <laughs> I found it funny that the picture going around when Denmark were playing England and it was who supports England that has one English flag and everybody else in Europe hating on England. Um, but I, I'm supporting England. I think I think they're going to win. Yeah. For me, it will definitely be Italy. Not because of that, but um, I know Italy always has something, I don't know, sexy with it when it comes to football there there is something with it with italian football that always attracts me and when i look at england i don't know what i'm watching at i see 11 people but then i see the sterling i wonder even how they ended up in the final so for me uh, it's not a team that i enjoy watching mm -hmm. while italy yeah it has something that uh, and i think it would be nice if they win. And secondly, I don't. I don't need to hear for the next thirty years that uh, football is coming home or something like that. Because if England wins now, I, I, I will, every English person I talk with for the next as long as I live will yeah. say, "Remember twenty twenty one." Yeah, that's uh, I don't. I don't feel like those conversations for for another thirty years. That that that's painful, and I'm already getting that quite a bit from some from some of my friends and that question to Casper Schmeichel <laughs> really annoyed me <laughs> why would you ask somebody on an opposing team about like just they just annoy me with that stuff but I mean a, a team as a whole I, I I would disagree I think it's a, a good team Sterling is is overrated but he's so fast and lightning he tears down defenses but he doesn't know what to do with the ball when he gets into the final third but it'll be I think it'll be a good game I, I think England would have preferred Spain they definitely mm -hmm. would have beaten Spain, but Italy, we know we know how Italy how they yeah. go in finals. They like to win, so I, I think for me, um, you could throw a coin and yeah. one of those will win. It's not yeah. a clear team that is better, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just happy with a with a four all final, and it goes to penalties. So that was <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, so let's go to the next question from Tony. Thanks, Tony. And he says, 
sometimes the change in your environment enlightens some ideas up. So to you, AMF, did the time off give you some inspiration on any dividend investing ideas or were you too busy drinking beer? <laughs> Let's just say Diageo owe me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I mentioned TWFL just beforehand. I, I spent all of last week. I didn't have a phone much. I wasn't active on Twitter. I didn't pr even bring a laptop. I shut off from work. I shut off from everything that I normally do day to day, including dividend investing for the whole time. Went walking with family members that don't have any interest in any of this stuff. So naturally, we didn't talk about it. Spending lots of time with the kids who I'm also not going to talk to about it. And I didn't actually have a lot of free time to myself. So just lots of time with family. I'm always quite busy, so I enjoyed every single moment of it. And I'm back into the swing of it now, so I will start writing down my ideas pretty soon. Cool, cool. So, um, I mean, that means you need another holiday, I would say. Uh, I need a holiday to myself where I can sit there and, and think and relax for a bit. But, uh, hey, can't be can't be too greedy. So let's go to Interest Compuesto, and he has a question about Alibaba. He is asking, is this a historical opportunity or a value trap? And do you think there is a bit of, I miss the historical returns of Amazon, and Baba will be the next Amazon, and I want to be in within the retail investor community? So maybe I'll answer this question, because it is, I, I, I mentioned I, I purchased some Alibaba uh, this quarter. Actually, when I saw the question, I thought like, hmm, he might be right. Yeah, uh, this is what I have a little bit with Baba, that I do see it as an Amazon. And I do have a feeling um, that the price is mispriced due to, for instance, Chinese fear and the control of the Chinese government. And I do see it indeed as an Amazon. And I do have a hope maybe or an expectation that it will give similar historical returns again going forward. So to be really honest, yeah, interest compuesto, I believe you might be right, yeah. Uh, I think it's definitely, now that you say it, something that I had in my mind probably uh, unconsciously when I was looking at and when I'm thinking about Alibaba. Um, again, it's, it's part of my growth part of the portfolio. It's not meant to be a long-term holding. I might buy it, uh, sell it after a year or so, um, although I struggle with that. So yeah, you're probably right. Okay. The the next question is is related to that, and it's probably more for me, which is from Enzo, it, also around Baba. So it kind of ties in together. But he said, with all time stocks prices, you didn't contemplate the idea of buying some cheap growth stocks like Baba or Sinra companies. I don't have the same feeling as you have about Baba. I I. I really don't think they're in the same breadth as, as Amazon. And I do certainly have the Chinese fear. <laughs> I, I do. Div Dividend Dane posted something in, in our group about the Chinese government looking to close the loophole to delist every single US ADR listing. Okay. And I believe this is a, is a real threat. And it's because of this is why that price so cheaply. I don't think they'll ever get to the to the same level of Amazon or Apple. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong for for people like you or who have invested in them. But I don't know these companies. I don't want to know anything about Baba. I don't know how to price them. If I bought them, I'd be purely buying them on FOMO. 
I would not know when to sell them. I just have no interest in even looking them at the, at the moment. So if they were an American company, I probably would feel differently, hands up. But because they're Chinese, I don't want to to touch them at the moment. Yeah, so my valuation has it around $300. And that's where I have put my uh, sell thinking around this uh, company and around the Chinese government. I mean, I read today about Biden that he is uh, giving 72 directions to the Federal Trade Commission in America effectively to um, as a first attempt to start breaking up uh, big tech. And then I wonder always like, okay, so we're scared of China because of the unknown. It almost sounds like xenophobia sometimes. But then I see what, what in America, I wonder like, so what's really the difference here? Maybe maybe the Chinese government is a little bit more, I said, maybe better in execution of their, their policies compared to American government. There's a saying in Ireland, maybe you have it as well. It's called better the devil you know. I'm not saying I'm not saying America or Europe by yeah. any means are, are angels, but at least the information on them is a little bit more easier to come by. Yeah, I mean, China's just a black hole. Sometimes you you don't know where what you believe is is right or wrong. Um, so I prefer to stick to to something that I I mm. think I know better. Maybe I don't, but something that I, I feel more yeah. comfortable in. And China's just one of those places, and and Russia will be another that. I would not be comfortable in investing yeah, for a long time. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Hey, then the last question is from Alan, and he is asking if you need to completely quit a sector, which of your current sectors will you quit? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I tell you which one it wouldn't be, which is consumer staples, considering it's forty-two <laughs> percent of of my portfolio. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I don't have much consumer discretionary or materials. If I was to drop any, probably industrials, maybe, but I don't know. That's that's a hard question. I, I don't know which, which one. So I I take this, uh, I don't know what the name is, uh, but I, I, I take this from the 11 sectors that we have. Yeah. And I was doubting between consumer discretionary because it has all the cyclicals in there as well. Yeah. Or utilities. And when I think about it, I will probably go more for utilities. I would keep finance because of the um, insurance industry in there. And utilities, I don't think I have anything really in my portfolio. Maybe Anagas, but I don't think even it qualifies as a utility. Not sure even. But uh, probably I would have utilities out of it just because of the fact that I, uh, I'm never really interested in them that's that's an interesting one utilities are usually stable there's there's obviously pressure from governments but you generally know what you're going to get get with them and predictability is something i would like so i'd find it hard to drop utilities compared to financials for example yeah yeah so financials has insurance again in it and if i think about selling munich re or, or for instance, uh, a utility in Europe, I would never sell Munich RE from that point of view. Yeah. So, but hey, I don't want to sell any of the 11 sectors or completely quit. So this is really an academic uh, discussion from that point of view. Yeah. yeah. It's a good question to make you think, but looking at my portfolio, I definitely need to start looking at some consumer discretionary and materials because I have zero exposure. So I need to um I need to get something something on the board. Yeah. 
Okay, so thank you um, for all your questions. It is always a pleasure to answer them. But I think we'll also go now to the last section and usually also one of the favorite sections for the listeners. And that's the stock pick of the week. Well, it should not come as a surprise probably for people that follow me on social media um, because I posted the other day my watch list and one of the companies on there is Koninklijke Philips. Uh, full disclosure, I bought this week some Koninklijke Philips. I uh, initiated a position in it. Um, I find it at the moment at fair value. So it dropped from around 50 euros to 40 euros now. Um, there was a recall for for uh, respiratory uh, <laughs> respirators, I think, these devices, this equipment. Yeah. It will have a 250 million uh, impact to, to, the, to their um, earnings. But company is not changing guidance. And that's, for me, usually quite a bullish uh, signal. That means that they can co absorb these numbers in, uh, in, in, in their forecast, which means that probably their forecast, uh, their, their real numbers would have been higher. Now, why did I buy Philips? I definitely don't think it's undervalued. The yield is currently, with the current price of 39 euros, around 2.2%. Um, if you look at their historical dividend growth performance over the last two years, it isn't even 2% annualized. But here it's really about, do you believe in the company going forward as a full dedicated medical technology company like Medtronic's? Because the last 10 years, it has been spinning off all their businesses, trying to keep their head above water while they were doing that uh, without cutting the dividends. But it was a really, really tough decade. But now they have cleared up everything uh, here. And for me, it's now a blue ocean for them to, to grow in the med tech space. So this is why I'm bullish on uh, Philips. However, it is a company that I need to monitor, monitor closely over the upcoming few years because it's all about is, is the company able to execute? Yeah, if they are not able to execute on the strategy, then the current price is too much. So the, the, because the, my valuation 39 euro assumes higher growth rates than what they have shown over the last few years. And, um, and those assumptions are in line with what management is forecasting. Okay. Yeah, I know it's certainly a, a good choice. Uh, did you write an article on them before? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll link to that below. Cause, um, good company. We know that they've spun off a lot of different businesses. They're not they're not your TV brand anymore. So quite an, an interesting company and, and one that, as you say, if they can execute, will, will be good for the long term. So no. Thank you for that. I, I, I was laughing when you were saying Klonik, uh, I can't even say Klonik, Kilki or... Koning I, can just, yeah. I can just see Russ from Dapper Dividends releasing another video just so he can say that a hundred times on the video. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> so, hey, so that's it. That's 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 the end of the show. As as, as always, it's it's from by. Um, interesting to hear your, your thoughts, particularly on Baba and, and your portfolio, but... It's been, a, we can all agree, it's been a good quarter. Yeah, definitely. And um, hey, it was really great having you back again. Uh, I miss you a bit, I must confess. And um, yeah, also for the listeners that stuck to here uh, till the end of the show, you're, you guys are diehards, really appreciate it. Um, it's for us an honor to to to, to share, share our thoughts with you. And um, yeah, having said that all, see you next week again at the next Dividend Talk.
Have a nice weekend.